podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to the Friday show. My name is Mo Stewart. We've got a fantastic room alongside me, full of lovely people. I've got Lizzie Doyle, I've got Paul Hogan and Mike Kearney. And we're getting to February now, it's getting to crunch time of the season for a lot of teams. We've got the very first silverware of the season being given out. Do not talk to me about the Community Shield because it does not count as silverware. The first domestic silverware will be given out today and we'll be hearing from one of the fans of one of the teams looking to get hold of it. We'll also be hearing from someone talking to us about Wolves and we'll be hearing about Everton and Manchester United. But we want to do today, thanks for that one Lizzie, we want to do today kind of chronologically. So we're going to start with the Friday night game, Paul. Uh, Norwich against Leicester, two teams who... Maybe lacking a little bit of intensity at the moment. I mean, you could argue that for both of them, it's almost as if the story of their season's been written. Uh, Norwich look like they're not going to get out of it. Leicester look like they're probably going to be safe in the Champions League. But a Friday night game, you never know, that might bring something out. That might bring a bit of excitement. What are you expecting to see? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think Leicester at the moment, feel it feels like they need, need a decent result, doesn't it? They've had, you know, they have, I think they have, they have they won in the last... Five or six, something like that. Vardy hasn't scored in in a fair few games now. Um, sorry, sorry, sorry. So yeah, so I, th- I feel like sort of Leicester will be wanting to prove a bit of a point tonight. Mm. Uh, Norwich or Norwich for me that you know the, the, the team that come up, they always struggle, but everyone always likes them, and and it, they sort of feels like they never quite learn the lesson in a way, and they go through the, through the same thing all the time. So. I think it'll be an entertaining game. Um, I think Leicester will want to prove a point after you know some bad results uh, or, or not so great results. If you like, they were un- unlucky to an extent against City, I would mm-hmm. say, or they, they, were, they were definitely in the game anyway. So I, I think it could be a, a, an interesting, an interesting game. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. To be honest, I think I agree, I agree with you definitely about the City game, um, Mike. How do you feel? Did you watch the, um, Leicester against City? Do you think they were maybe a bit unlucky to get defeated? I was definitely unlucky. I thought. He- Blayton and Ball in the first half, which is not given for them, and is given for City down the other, at the same end. The second half comes out and Ball in the box gives them a penalty. Literally the same things, and it, you can sort of say that the decisions didn't go their way. They weren't great, Leicester. Uh, they, I, I watched it quite quite closely to be honest, because I was just wanting to see what, what City are made of. To be honest, because we know look the leagues, the league is the league, and we. Thankfully, got that sewn up. It's only four more wins away for us, so it's not really a massive problem. I was more watching it in terms of City going forward, and I, I, they didn't really impress me, City. And I, on the same stand, Leicester sort of gave the ball away a few times. Ben Chilwell, you know, it was getting into attacking positions, and, and the final ball wasn't the best. Vardy was getting down the channels a lot. He was getting a lot of joy down the channels. Vardy down the left hand side, and his ball across was always just not the right one. You always want a Vardy to be in the middle and, and do the fella like it was Barnes in the second half and Ian Acho in the first. You wanted to be putting the ball into Vardy. They, they were all right, I thought. Mm. It, it was probably worth at least a point out of the game. I think you could say it was a bit harsh. They lost in the end. But for, as you were saying, I think they're, they're guaranteed top four this season. Mm-hmm. I think Man City, that game were probably fine for Leicester. This, this game now, Norwich is. Bit more of a test on Leicester because they're expected to win this game. Norwich are bottom, mm. you know, down. But Norwich are also a decently. F- we've seen it loads of times, and ourselves twice now. They're a decent football side. Norwich and they'll give it a good go. And it's not by no means a straightforward game for for Leicester, but it's one. It's one of the ones that you'd want to be. If you're a Leicester fan, you'd want to be winning. 
in Def- terms of next season. Definitely, this is one of the games that they should be winning, Paul. And it could be a game to get them back on track. You mentioned before, like, everyone does like Norwich and that's kind of including their opponents, yeah. which has yeah. become a bit of a problem for Norwich, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, we talk, um, I've talked a lot about it on previous shows and I've heard lots of people say about how Norwich, they're uh, ready for relegation. They're equipped to deal with relegation better than a lot of other teams. They haven't gone too heavy in their spending when they came up. They've kind of tried to go for a more stable view, use some of their young players, get them a bit of experience. But I mean, there's a feeling for me, maybe that's worked against them a little bit, maybe because they, they'll be all right with the relegation. They don't fear it enough. And you're seeing that in some of their performances. Yeah, possibly, yeah. Um, you, you get the impression that most of them lads will still be there next year. There's a couple of lads who maybe, you know, it'll be t- time for them to move on, if you like. There's a couple of lads who, who probably have got a higher ceiling, especially the two full-backs, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, that I think there is potentially. But both of them are really young as well, so they might go, you know, one more season at Norwich might do me well. So they might end up with a reasonably stable um, set up going in if I mean I don't know what the manager would be thinking of as well mm. whether he'd be around still um, I, I sort of you know everything that I like about Norwich is probably the reason why they're going to go down if that makes <laughs> if that makes sense oh, no, at all um, and I think that's been Norwich for a number of years now you know when they've come up so uh, yeah I think I think um, I think the way they play football and and the way the um, there's so much credibility in what they're, what they're trying to do and especially when they're playing the, the bigger teams they've caused problems I mean they, they, they played well against Liverpool twice and you know they, they came away maybe not unlucky but they, you know they, they deserved real credit for both of the games mm. that they played against us so you know They'll go. They'll go. It looks like they're going down now. They'll go go down with the head heads held high. But you sort of feel from day one it was inevitable with them, yeah. and that's that's a shame, really. It is a shame, and I think you can understand why they've gone about it from a club perspective in that way, Mike. But I think. Paul's right in as much as they have got a lot of highly rated players. You get the impression that some of them will stay in the Premier League even if the team doesn't. Obviously, someone who's been linked with us a lot is Todd Cantwell. Uh, what, what's your impression of him? I'll take him tomorrow. We, we, we've done it, haven't we, a, a couple of seasons now. We, Robertson, Wijnaldum. We, we like taking teams, who players who are maybe not as appreciated by other clubs and, and, and making them something better than what they were at them. Because Gina Wijnaldum was an attacking midfielder for all intents and purposes at Newcastle. He's come in and he's played centre-half, number six. He played all over the place for us. He's a, he's a really steady, good midfielder. One of the best in Europe. Probably doesn't get the credit he always deserves, but you know, we know we know what we watch every week, so yeah. we're we're happy with, happy enough with them. I'd say Campwell, not absolutely no danger. I think that's the biggest fear for me if I was a Norwich fan. You've watched them fearlessly play in the Premier League. You know, attacked lots of credit. Campwell was getting a, a bit of talk for England. I think at some stage. Yes, he was. So all, all this is good on on the on the one hand, but not so on the other. I think they might be the best way for them to. To, to get out of that is maybe structure a deal where it's to a, a club like us or, or some or maybe even Tottenham and say we, we'll take him for the season while we're in the championship and you can have him for you know the season after help, help us get back up at least. Well, it's interesting because if his his um it might be rather than his play that gets him back up, it might be his transfer fee and how well they invest it. Yeah. Um, something that they have done well in the past, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. Okay, after pressure two of your prediction for this Friday night game now, uh, Norwich are at home as I mentioned. Uh, Leicester do have a lot of firepower. Mike, what are you saying? Um, oh, it's it's either going to be a score draw or a Leicester win, but. I, if I had to put a pound on now, it's two all. 
think I'd, I'm going three-one Leicester because um, mm-hmm. I think Vardy's going to do a goal. This is going to be a the game that gets him going. Yeah, yeah. Well, a game that's certainly going to be getting me going is the one that's happening on Saturday lunchtime, which is Brighton against Palace. And I know that this game confuses a lot of people, but I'm not going to lie, I absolutely love it because. It's not a rivalry about geography like all of the others. It's just a rivalry about hatred. And you get sometimes in a a city like Manchester or Liverpool, you'll get rivals within the same household or maybe in the same street. There's no one who's in the same family as a Brighton fan or a Palace fan. They are full on hating each other. And I am here for it. Lizzie, (laughs) how do you feel? It's always a juicy game, isn't it? So like, I, I... I like going down to Brighton. I've got a best friend who lives in Brighton. Uh, I went to Brighton away. They're a very nice sort of like laid back vibe. Um, the supporters are dead sound. The ground isn't like um, intimidating. It's quite a neutral feel. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it all it all changes when it comes to Crystal Palace. Like I was I was quite surprised when I was when I was talking to um, a couple of Brighton fans when I was last down there. Um, and and like you said, they were seething. Mm. They were so. I, it, it's mad because because it's not a geographical thing. Like that's not their derby. Probably Southampton's closest to yeah. them in the Prem. Um, Southampton and Bournemouth, isn't it? But there's this thing with Palace. And it's always a juicy game. And I think it's Brighton at home. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. Um, I think this one will be good because I think they've both been quite inconsistent. I think Brighton put together a little bit of a run. Um, looked fairly all right. And then Palace, I feel like you just don't know what you're going to get with them. I honestly don't know what team's going to turn up each week. So uh, I think it'll make for, for interesting viewing. Mm-hmm. I do. I honestly do. I, I reckon you could tell me any score now and I go, yeah, I believe you. <laughs> well, it's been that kind of a league this year, Paul, hasn't it really? And as Lizzie said, with such an intense derby like that, it does kind of go out the window. But let's focus on Brighton first because in the first game, it was at Sellers Park. They kind of dominated. Uh, Palace got the late equal but I think they'd have probably gone away feeling better about the game and they have for the most part this season done well but we're at that period of the season as I said before where you're on a bit of a precipice it can go either way you can a season of promise can start to turn into maybe relegation form and they're only four points off the lot so I mean it's probably a bigger game for them obviously with them being at home as well for them to kind of really get themselves back on track yeah, I mean, they're, they're probably safe, aren't they, with the four points? Because more because the teams around them are so poor, or below them are so poor. Um, but it, as you say, it can quite easily turn around. That uh, I find Brighton an interesting one because, like the bits I've saw of them, they haven't been, they haven't played some, they played some decent football this season. Uh, they, they got rid of Houghton because they didn't particularly want to play that style of football. They wanted to prove it, but they seem to be the master of one point like draws don't they as well mm-hmm. a little bit this season especially recently so it's interesting how, how that, that's turned around considering they wanted to play more expansive football Um the, the thing that I find interesting it's not a passionate game of football and Roy Hodgson is going to be sitting in the dugout <laughs> I really struggle with any game with any kind of passion in where that man has got anything to do with it that's the bit that baffles me slightly well like, he's a Croydon boy he should know about this more uh, than anyone but you, you're probably right <laughs> <laughs> he's not for me no, but I, I, it's, it's strange as well because as I said before with Brighton they do feel like they have kind of gone a little bit more pragmatic in recent weeks. We, there was a big move away from what we call Hugh and Ball and all that kind of stuff, Mike. But in the last few weeks, you've seen uh, Shane Duffy come back into the team, Glenn Murray come back into the team, and they have been a little bit more, as I say, pragmatic, maybe not conservative. Do you think in a derby game that will give them the license to go back to their old place, especially seeing they're at home? 
I watched the last the, the the game we were talking about before where Brighton were unlucky to to not have won. I, I think Brighton definitely should have won that game. They had wasn't loads of chances, but they, they had enough chances to make sure that Palace should have been out of sight. And then Palace, it was it was it was like eighty eighty eight or eighty nine minutes or something. It was really late anyway, and it was just a, a halt. Uh, I think Neil's got this thing with the Hodgson algorithm. It was just it was just that that stopped them winning that day probably. At Palace are well well better than what they sh- they are. They've got a good side there. Like Townsend, Zaha, it's it should be a better game than what it will be because it's it's just going to be a like a two banks of four Palace, and, and Brighton should be going into this thinking you know what we should we should just go back to our expansive ways and put mm-hmm. the, put like put our stamp on the game early because look what happened to us last time we didn't take our chances we dropped two points away we, you know. It's a weird rivalry, but once you're in a rivalry, you want to win, don't you? And it was a bit like us and Chelsea under Rafa Benitez days. Hmm. It sort of faded away with us and Chelsea now, but obviously Brighton and Palace have been going for donkey's years. So it's it's one of them where if I was a if I if I was a Brighton fan, you've got to you've got to start making your way out from the middle rungs of the Premier League and, and start looking towards Europa League because. Otherwise, you'll just start stagnating in the Premier League for five, six years and end up like Bournemouth. They haven't really ever put a solidly consistent season together, Bournemouth. And if I'm Brighton, I want to be. I don't want to be Bournemouth, and I want to be. I just want to be on an upward trajectory every season. So for for them, the rest of the season now is all about getting better results, not dropping the points late on. And look, Neil Morpé has been a good signing. You know, mm-hmm. he's he come from Brentford and he's. Sort of wasn't playing every week, but he's you know got he's back in, uh, doing well. Glenn Murray's mad. Like I, I reckon Glenn Murray could be my dad. <laughs> <laughs> dad he's, he's old enough to be my dad. I reckon. It's, it, I don't, I don't know how he's getting a game, but uh, he's he's doing well stillish. He's, he's scored a goal of the week, didn't he? Yeah. And they had that three all at West Ham, which they're probably kicking themselves about because it was a topsy turvy game, and they just they just need to jib that and, and get back to being more consistent. Hopefully, some of the from a Brian perspective, some of these draws can turn into wins. Maybe this is the game to do it up against an aging backline and an aging manager in Roy Hodgson. I'm backing Brighton to get the win. Uh, how does everyone else in the room feel? Two one Brighton. Paul one nil Brighton. Mike three uh, one Brighton. Ooh. Might go for the goal fest there. I like it. Well, that's sounds like <laughs> sounds like he's going to be watching. I definitely will be watching. I implore you to as well. Uh, okay, so we're going to hear from one of our callers now. We've got Rich Hobbs, who's going to be talking from a Wolves perspective from the Wolves fancast about their matchup with Spurs. And now joined on the phone by Richard Hobbs from the Wolves fancast. And I mean, we're here to, to sort of preview your weekend's game, uh, Richard. But first of all, I want to talk about the Europa League because. Um, obviously you play tonight so by the time people listen to this uh, they will know how you've got on uh, your funnel up so I think even you know, I mean you, you, you never want to jinx things but it looks like you're through uh, yeah I think um, as, as uh, a Liverpool fan you'll know as well as I do <laughs> but uh, you know 4-0 in a knockout game against a uh, team from Barcelona <laughs> well okay maybe guarantee it. but generally speaking yeah, I think we're, we're about as we're about as, yeah. as Sure, through as you, you could imagine, you know, uh, it was a very comfortable game by the end of it against Espanyol at home. Um, I think they made eight or nine changes um, right. before that game. Um, you know, obviously their league position isn't uh, great at the moment. I sort of expect them to play another weakened team again. So, 
yeah, if it, it, you know, if it, they've done the hard work in the first leg, but you know, I think if you come to know anything about um, Nuno and this Wolves side, is they don't, you know, they don't like to take risks in terms of any kind of level of complacency. So I think they'll still definitely try and go out there and you know make sure that they can at least win by a couple of goals. I mean, because you, you, you mentioned there that the changes Espanyol have made, and, and the reason I want to I talk about the, the Europa I wanted to start there is that I've found Wolves's attitude to the Europa League this season really refreshing, and the fact that from top to bottom throughout the club, so from the from the presumably from the ownership, because that's where all these things kind of come from, you know, because if the owners don't want to bother with the competition, then it, it doesn't happen. But obviously the manager, the players as well, when you've heard that the, the players talk about how much they enjoy kind of going to Besiktas especially and, and obviously the fan base as well. It's just been Boston. Like I want Wolves to win this competition now because I think how you've approached it as as, as I say has been really refreshing and and I think because too often I think it's talked about like a distraction and I think you work so hard to qualify for these tournaments and then sort of sack it off to mean you can qualify for Europe next year it just seems kind of wrong to me and obviously it's been a while for Wolves and all that but other teams have you know qualified for Europe for the first time in ages and haven't you know approached it in a similar way to Wolves so I just wanted to say like you know well into you know on behalf of him you know you know, (laughs) if you could pass that on to the football club for me Rich I'll be be pleased because I I don't think it's been boss and and honestly I'd love Wolves to win that tournament this year. I think it's it, it has been really refreshing. I think you know uh, the, the ownership sort of they measure Wolves as a project, and actually one of the steps to achieve what they kind of want to achieve it is playing in the Europa League. It's you know it is that stepping stone up to the Champions League. If you want to play European football, if you want to you know get that extra level of exposure on a continental level, then you know, that's, this is where you kind of need to be. So it was a big deal for the club to, you know, finish seventh last season and get into Europa League places. And, you know, they, even the qualifying rounds, they treated with respect. They put out strong teams, even against, you know, really weak opposition for the first kind of couple of qualifiers. And, you know, they've kind of progressed it through and, you know, not taken any half measures. I think we're fifth favourites now. I think, you know, yeah. you've still got the likes of, I think, Arsenal and Man United, you know, odds-wise ahead of us. And I think, and you ask any Wolves fans, so, well, hang on, we're, you know, we're higher up in the league than Arsenal. We've beaten Man United you know, twice last season, you know, I think I'm quite confident, actually, you know, that, you know, we still got, you know, a couple more stages in this competition to, uh, to go. And I think, you know, uh, similar to the um, FA Cup run we had last season, and it was at a point where, you know, we, we're battling out for, you know, seventh position and, you know, got, got to the quarterfinals and then on to the semifinals. And then, well, what do you sort of want from the season? At the end of the day, you know, People aren't going to really remember where you finished in the league table. You know, football. You know, football's about memories at the end of the day. Right. And you know, you, you you get your your biggest ones at the end of it from cup competitions um, or the you know or winning a title. You don't get it from finishing seventh place. However good we played over thirty eight games last season, you know, people will remember winning in Besiktas in the last minute. You know that that will be you know, what people take home. Um, and, you know, hopefully, for, you know, if we can get a, you know, a marquee game in the next round, even, you know, or potentially the round afterwards, that's what's good. You know, that's what people are going to sort of live on for the next kind of, you know, five, ten years. Yeah, and, and I think it shows as well that the players want to be involved in these tournaments as well. And look, you know, I'm, 
I think some you, you do obviously need to rest players, and if you, maybe if you ask footballers, they'd they play more than they should have. So I'm not against kind of you know sports science or against managers kind of enforcing players to have a rest, but also you look at how the players have have approached these these games. And someone like our friend Connor Cody, who was sort of stat for who's who's not missed a single minute of the last 100 league games or something ridiculous yeah. like that, but he's playing in these Europa League games as well, and he's one who's who seems to be you know just embracing the idea of something different and challenging himself in a different way against these players. Exactly, and you know the, uh, the the club. I think put a lot of emphasis on you know the the, um, the rehab of players and on that aspect of it. But you know, actually, you know, we the management and the coaching staff like to implement with a small squad. Mm-hmm. So for them, it's less about the you know rotation of players and all the things you hear about red zones. And you know, from, from all accounts, they do you know they work very hard when they need to slow down training. When they when they need to as well, and just to make sure that actually all the players, you know, Wolves, you know, pretty consistently in Danuno, they've not suffered lots and lots of injuries when you compare it to other clubs. You know, we had Bolly, you know, has probably been our most notable absence this season, and probably even compared to last season, that was through a, a you know a left fracture in training. You know, they don't tend to get lots of, you know, pulled hamstrings, pulled calves, or injuries like that. So they put a lot of emphasis on it. And I think, you know, it does give people a chance that there is a, usually a little bit of squad rotation. Um, you know, not a huge amount, but it means some of the players who are on the bench. So, you know, players like Diogo Jota, you know, scores a hat-trick um, and then sort of follows up with a brace against Norwich. You know, he, people are kind of questioning whether he should be in the team or not in, in the Premier League because some of the players have been doing so well. Ironically, from previous European games, so net so's really sort of found his feet playing in England while you know from playing in the Europa League so if anything it's kind of given some of those extra players who are battling for competition a bit of extra game time a bit of extra you know opportunities to find their form which fortunately they then managed to push her into a domestic campaign as well Okay, on to that domestic campaign then, and we are sort of here, I guess, to talk about Spurs v Wolves. Uh, it's a tough game. You've had a few of them recently, haven't you? Um, it must have been nice to have, to have that game last week and get a, a get a win back under the belt. You know, a nice a nice three 0 against Norwich because you've had you know a few tough games in the league before that and uh, no wins. Yeah, I think there's sort of a you know I think sort of a few nil nil draws in a row, which yeah. you know is almost. A bit, the last thing you want as a fan, isn't it? Literally seeing <laughs> no goals, even if they're against you, is it? You know, it's like, you know, literally a nothing affair. Um, but, you know, actually from that, you know, I think it was a draw against Man United. Well, that bit boring. Played really well against um, Leicester and probably should have won and had that draw. And, you know, it, to be honest, if you could, you know, play in, uh, Norwich at home, frankly, you know, if you're not winning that, you probably need to be questioning yourselves. But they, you know, they approached the game in the right manner. And, you know, players who needed to, again, Jota carried his form through Neves, you know, who's quietly, you know, found, you know, really good run of form since, you know, start of the new year. And, yeah, I think it's, sort of, you know, we had a bit of a tough sort of Christmas period as well, um, like, like everyone did, to be honest. But, you know, we played Liverpool, you know, played Liverpool, we've played Spurs. Played Man United, played Leicester, and I think like looking after sort of this Spurs game, we've got a really sort of actually quite positive running. You know, I think we'll have you know we've played let's say Liverpool twice, Man City twice, um, we'll have played Spurs twice, we've played Leicester twice. So actually we've kind of got all the 
you know, bar, I think Chelsea, who we've got last game of the season, and um, Arsenal. We've played everyone who's above us, really, who we've cast, you know, from last season. And then it's actually teams who are sort of around us competing for the sixth and eighth spot below us. So uh, like, it should be a pretty good running for ourselves. So, I mean, the Spurs game in particular, you must sort of fancy a little bit. Um, obviously, they've, they've, their form's sort of been indifferent. And I think Wolves have obviously proved for a while now that you know, this is the level that they're they're at. You know, they're, they're in this group of teams who are who are vying for for fourth place. I think it's five points off at the moment, but only two, I think, or even one off fifth mm. place. Um, you're no better than me. And 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 this group of sides that that both Wolves and Spurs are in now, the the Wolves have, have have kind of proved over a decent enough period now that that's where they belong. And this is a game that you look at and think, well, could go either way. Yeah, I think um, you know, in terms of my point of view, you know. It, the difficulty is Wolves are, you know, pretty consistent. You know, and most, you know, most fans, whether they're Wolves fans or like yourself, sort of looking from the outside, you can't know what you expect from Wolves in terms of the level of quality that we're going to put out. The big thing for me is that I don't quite know the level of quality that Spurs are going to put out. <laughs> and, you know, they, I think that's the tricky one for me. So, you know, I, I, I back Wolves to do well. And, you know, we, we beat Spurs 3-1 uh, last year. Um, whilst they were still at Wembley, I think it was. Um, so, you know, they'll be confident in going into it. But, you know, I'm, I'm interested by the Spurs side because they don't don't quite know who they are at the moment, especially, you know, without Son, without Kane, you know, how are they going to match up and how is that going to impact Wolves, really? And, is it, yeah. you know, it could be like a classic Mourinho stink-out, 1-0 win job for them, or it could be something that actually, you know, Wolves really kind of, you know, catch them, in you know a bit of an off, on and off day we shall see okay uh, I mean you've just said it's almost impossible to predict but I'm going to ask you to anyway uh, because that's how mean we are at the Anfield Rap so if I could just get a, a score prediction from you Rich before you go I'll go for 3-1 Wolves 3-1 Wolves I tell you what I'd watch that yeah. uh, that sounds like a great yeah. game uh, <laughs> 2 o'clock on Sunday that is a uh, huge thanks to, to Rich for joining us obviously from Wolves Fancast and now back to the studio big thanks to Rich there um, he was talking about the Wolves perspective so let's jump into the Spurs perspective Paul um, they're in a very vulnerable place right now Tottenham we all know what their big weakness is they don't have any strikers Jose Mourinho has not made any kind of qualms about hiding it he's almost been hiding behind it you could say uh, they could do that against teams like Chelsea away and against Leipzig a team at the top of the Bundesliga but in a game at home against a Wolves team who are going to be one of their big rivals for the Champions League that they won, surely they can't go into it with that kind of timid attitude. They have to try and take the initiative however they can. You'd think, I mean, I don't think Mourinho cares, does he? He literally, they, he doesn't play to that, that, that whole ego thing. If any, he'll go the opposite way. So I don't, I, I don't think he's bothered about that. But you, you, you know, from a Tottenham fan point of view, you'd, you'd be expecting Tottenham to have a go. Yeah. You know, they, they've still got enough quality on the pitch, even mm-hmm. if they, they struggle in terms of that position to, 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 to do something there. I think it, I'm really intrigued by like the whole thing around fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth place now, even, even down like to, to where Everton are and, and what's going to happen, you know, mm-hmm. and what what all them clubs are feeling like with regard to like, you know, what's going on at Man City and stuff like that. Um, to, to be fair, I wouldn't have thought Tottenham would have been in sight of the Champions League, and now and now it's a real um, opportunity for them, really. Uh, and and God, they need it, you know, with, with the investment that they've put in there and and the real 
rebuild they've got to make in that of that squad because they're going to lose more in the in the summer, aren't they? Not they're, you know they're, they're going to they've got a significant rebuild to do. So I I can Tottenham Tottenham really do need to win this game. They really do need to win this game, Mike. Um, oh, they have got lots of attacking talent. Yes, mostly midfielders, but. If you look a little bit further back than that, the kind of the central midfielders, I think Mourinho's got another problem there because if you look, Sissoko's out, but if you look at the other four guys who are in that position, you've got Lacelso, who seems to be doing well, but obviously was probably lucky to still be able to pick him. But you've got Winks, you've got Ndombele, you've got Dele Alli, who have all at some point had some kind of weird disconnect with Mourinho, as in he doesn't fully trust them or they don't buy into what he's trying to do. Um, how do you see his way out of this? It's just um, it's not the Mourinho way out of this because he needs he needs to be almost overwhelmingly attacking to to sort of compensate for the the man who's not going to be putting chances in on a on a high like eight out of nine, eight out of ten crosses seven out of ten crosses you'd fancy Kane wouldn't you if he was getting a clear run header or like a shot you'd fancy Kane to score whereas Lucas is, is lucky he scored a hat trick against. Uh, Ajax yeah. in the semi-final of the Champions League he's a fin- he's, you know, he knows where the net is he's not bad he's an option he's, he, he's pretty much their only option at the moment so you'd sort of try and just get him as much service as possible and they signed Stephen I, I can never pronounce his second name so Bergwijn 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 they signed him you know he, he's we've seen against City he was not slow he's not, he's not scared mm-hmm. to take a man on so I, for me he needs to be sort of some sort of combination of them two, or or an, or and or another quicker person on the right or, or the left, like and just rotate and a bit like us, you know, just surprise teams because mm. people keep people can really predict a Mourinho team like a million miles away. It's generally four two three one, you know, big lads, big strong, mm-hmm. centre mid, centre halves. It's not hard to predict a, a Mourinho team, and for a man who was revered so so much. In his pomp, and, and rightly so, because he was a, a good, a good man, man manager of players, and you know motivated the players to get them to perform how he wanted to. It it should be easier for him to deal with things like this because he's a, he's had an experienced career. It's not like he's never had injuries to strikers in the past. It's also not like he hasn't got a striker he could actually try and nurture. Although we all know that's not the Mourinho way. Mm-hmm. You've got Troy Parrott, haven't yeah. you? Who's highly thought of at Tottenham. When Pochettino gave him a couple of minutes in, in pre-season, a couple of starts in pre-season actually, and you know it wasn't just a oh we'll we'll give you a game because because Harry's not playing. He was he was playing minutes ahead of Kane in pre-season sometimes, mm-hmm. and and you know with Kane as well at times as well. So for me, it's it's not a it, obviously look if it happened to us, we'd be saying it, it's a problem, and it's definitely a problem for Spurs. But it's not like it's. The, the be all and end all of what we can't score because you just can't Dele Alli missed a half full of chances in the game against Chelsea I think it was Chelsea hmm. it was someone anyway um, I remember I was just watching him thinking Mourinho was going to be absolutely fuming with you because he, 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 yeah, like he was in positions and getting chances and like wasteful th- final balls hmm. poor shots it's it's probably not a, as big as a problem as Mourinho is making out but he needs to make it bigger don't he so then he can say look at me I've finished fifth with with, with this it's, it's interesting the way that you frame that, and that is probably exactly what he's going to be doing. Um, I'll ask you this question, Lizzie, because if you think about 
what Mike said earlier about the idea of it being a challenge to be able to overcome. You'd think maybe the ego within him would think that maybe that's what I want to do to say, look, I had no strikers and look what I was able to do. In the same way as you could almost say Rafa Benitez when he was at Newcastle saying like, hey, I know everyone knows that I've got one arm behind my back, but still look what I'm doing. Even with Mauricio Pochettino, I remember one of the pieces Mel Reddy did last season where they were talking about how everyone was writing them off because they hadn't made any signings. And he said, don't let no signings be your story of the season. And it wasn't. They got to the Champions League. And yet Mourinho's mentality is so much different. And I believe, personally, looking at them, that's kind of feeding into the players. They're almost defeated before they're going out. Have you seen them in recent games? Yeah, I watched um, I watched a bit of the Chelsea game. Um, I don't know. It's it's just it's not good for them at the moment. I think what you're saying it, with the ego thing is 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 spot on. Like he could, the way the way I see that Mourinho works is that he could literally redefine what what this means for him and for the club. I think he'll have the he'll go with the narrative of well, I stepped in and I it's not my team, it's not my squad, and and I didn't have anyone, I didn't have any resources. Obviously, they had the January signing, um, but then you're not gonna you can't foresee. Son and Harry Kane both being out, can you? Do you know what I mean? You can't, you can't foresee that. And I'm sure if it was a bit earlier, he would have gone and signed a bit of an emergency striker. Well, I think they were going in for Danny Ings actually, weren't they? In the there was there was and talk of, as well. of of Danny Ings and Giroud. So um, he's obviously spotted something. But Mourinho's been doubted for a long time now. I think the Man United job was like the last straw. I think he was at Madrid for a while and then he, he does that Mourinho thing where he looks like magic. He looks like the the special one. He looks like the the Mourinho you, you first knew and then by the end of it, he looks like mm. he needs, he looks like he smoked 40 ciggies and he needs a kiss. That haircut you know hasn't I mean? done him any favours, has it? Uh, imagine being Mourinho's barber, by the way. <laughs> like, when asked, to, oh yeah, my barber didn't cut it good enough so I told him to shave it off. Imagine being his barber, the pressure. Um, <laughs> and I just, on, I, I couldn't cope with him. But there's, there's still question marks over Mourinho mm. like, and I think he knows it. Um, I think when he's sat there being a pundit and stuff, he's probably thinking of himself going, I'm one of the best managers on the planet. Like, I should be out there managing, I shouldn't be in here being a pundit. I honestly believe that. So I think this could this could do well for him in, in the best way possible because he can hold on to him and go, well, what do you expect me to do? And he gets a bit of a free pass. Mm-hmm. But what he needs to do is be that first Mourinho, the, the sort of honeymoon period yes. Mourinho until the end of the season. Inject a bit of life, inject a bit of passion into them. He's got a couple of decent players there, you know, more of more sound. See if there's any, you know, younger kids that can come through and and do a job for them. It's not ideal, but you've got to you you've got to work with what what you've got. And we're all being dead sim- like we're, we're trying to be all sympathetic to them. But look at some of the players they've got. Like it's it's hard lines, mm. but it is the way it is. And when you look over to the other dugout, this is probably the absolute worst team that they could be facing, apart from Liverpool, of course. Uh, Wolves are flying. They they won three nil on Sunday. They won four nil against Espanyol in the Europa League, which means that they're going to be able to rest all of their players tonight so they'll be fit and firing for the game ball um, they just got that belief in them that they can kind of beat whoever is in front of them right now and if they go to Spurs and put on a real show and, and beat them handily which is entirely possible it could do real damage to the Spurs season but give them such a great lift as well yeah I mean I really like Wolves don't particularly like their fans but I like <laughs> I like I like Wolves Um 
I think the way they've managed, I think there was a lot of question marks about how they'd managed the Europa League um, this season, and I thought I think people thought they'd struggle by the nature. They, they pretty much put the same team every week, so they thought there'd be issues. But he managed that really well. They've got to really be thinking, you know, f- fifth place is is a real opportunity for them, and it, and it's it's very much on the cards. They're, they're probably one of the only teams in that that group that are, are getting any kind of consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you know I think that's definitely definitely on, and I think. They're so unique in the way they play that that teams, including Liverpool, we've all struggled to play them because you you don't play against a team like Wolves very often. I really, I mean, I really like their manager as well. I think he's a he's a he's a top top manager, and I, I actually like him. He's a nice fella as yeah. well. He comes across as a really sound guy. So he yeah. definitely looks like a nice bloke, doesn't he? He does, and um, he's managed his squad really well. Paul mentioned that, Mike. Um, even if you look at someone like Adama Traore, who was the story for most of the early season, he's had a few kind of games where he's not quite been his sharpest. But luckily for uh, Nuno, Diogo Jota's come back from injury. He's scoring like a house on fire. He now has the option of maybe even introducing Traore off the bench. And just thinking now about Traore coming off the bench against a potentially tiring Spurs defence... God, I can't even imagine what Jose thinking about it. Oh, I'm not looking forward to it. I'm a Tottenham player there. I mean, we watched the we watched the Anfield and that Neto, even though he was quite irritating yeah. and celebrated the way he did. He, he, even quiet. he was like a really good attacking threat, quite quick. So there, there's no pressure on you know he can he can pretty much pick up from three of of anyone that he wants. You know, Jota as you're saying, he's on fire at the moment. Jimenez is is scoring still like he always seems to do for Wolves. Good, really good player. I wouldn't. I'm, I'm not. I'm not happy if I'm Spurs. I want to come out and, and show that we can we can be teams as good as Wolves. Because I think they've they definitely it's it's a feather in their cap, and that's a that's a massive compliment to to Wolves by the mm-hmm. way. Because to be a team now, where it's it's nice to beat, and it's it's a it's a good market of how good your team is to beat is is how far Wolves have come. I know they've they've had like a lot of help in terms of getting really good players. The profile. You know, George Mendes uh, or Jorge Mendes. I'm not actually it's Portuguese, isn't he? George Mendes yeah. or Jorge Mendes. <laughs> so, uh, I don't, I don't, one of them's right. One of them's right. <laughs> one of them's uh, fans. I'll ask Lizzie, Lizzie will edit for me. There. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they're flying, aren't they? And they're probably rubbing their hands, thinking, you know, fourth might have just been a little bit out of our reach this season. We've had lots of draws. We've had the Europa League, but now does this whole thing about fifth being in play? Potentially being a Champions League place, that they'll be they'll be absolutely fired up for the rest of the season. And you know, if I'm a Wolves player, you you want to be ending the season hopefully in the home for a, you know a trophy in terms of the Europa League or or definitely fifth. And I, I think that I would be I'd be marking them up as favourites against Tottenham. Paul, what are you saying? Do you think they'll probably get the result? Yeah, I I think it, I think Wolves Wolves will win. Um, I think. The interesting thing with City for me is that, sorry, with Tottenham for me is that actually Tottenham as a team have looked better when they've had pace up top and, and loads of movement up top. It's been talked about before about how, how Kane becomes a focal point. He, he actually has the opportunity to do that with the two lads he's got available to him. They're both really mobile lads. Mm. But Benigno's not going to use it. <laughs> um, he, that, that's not his nature, is it? So I, I think, yeah, I'd go, I think I'd go for a 2 1 Wolves. Any hope for Spurs here, Lizzie? I'm doing two one wolves as well. Yeah, I think especially with it being at the it's a, is it at the Molyneux? No, it's at Spurs. Oh, is it? Mm. Oh, God, I don't know why I thought it was at the Molyneux. 
Oh, even then, I still think I still think Wolves have got the better of them. They're a much better side, in my opinion. Well, Spurs did win the game in Molyneux and they really snuck that the victory. It was almost a robbery, you could say. So I think it's a clean sweep for me as well. I'm predicting a, a Wolves victory. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> uh, our next call up now, I mentioned at the top of the show, we've got the first trophy of the season being given out. And we've got Ben Anderson here from the Triple Captain podcast to tell us all exactly why Aston Villa will be the ones to triumph at Wembley on Sunday. And we're now joined by Aston Villa fan and FBL podcast triple captain host Ben Anderson. Ben, welcome to the Friday show. Uh, looking forward to a massive weekend for Aston Villa as they're back in the League Cup final again against Manchester City. Yes, mate. Thanks for having me on. I mean, uh, I can't say I'm really looking forward to it too much. I'm not going to lie. Um, we're not in particularly good form at the moment. And obviously Man City uh, having a bit of a decent run at the moment with their uh, the win over Real Madrid this week. I, I think, um, to be honest... I'm hoping we don't get too embarrassed on on the weekend. I think um, Sunday could be a bad day for us. I'm not going to lie. Well, I mean, you, you say that, and but I mean, you look at the results that where, where City have dropped points in the Premier League. They've seen they haven't necessarily been against teams you'd expect them to. I mean, I don't, Norwich being the occasion points at the start of the season, and also, I mean, I'm, I'm quite yeah. surprised by by Villa's form of late because, being perfectly honest, they give one of the toughest games Liverpool have had this season was was at. Villa Park earlier yeah. in the year when they seem to be in decent form and you know maybe it's it's with City do utterly winning in Madrid last night they might might take their eye off the ball a little bit and Villa can capitalise and it could be the springboard for the rest of the season I mean to be honest I'm not usually a pessimistic Villa fan in the sense that there were a lot of things to be positive about earlier on in the season Jack Grealish has become the player that we all knew that he was and now the rest of the Premier League is seeing what a talent Jack Grealish is. Um, you know, we just brought in Wesley up front. Uh, we had Heaton back in goal. John McGinn uh, had a brilliant start to the season and actually a lot of our good results earlier on was, were down to John McGinn. He wasn't necessarily the person who was there getting the assists and, and banging the goals in, but he was always involved in every part of the play. We're really missing him at the moment. Um, Wesley didn't become the player we wanted him to be, but at the same time, you know, he's our main striker and he's out. Um, Heaton, he's out. We brought in uh, Pepe Reina. I mean, it'll probably be um, Nylon who, who starts tomorrow as he's been playing the cup games. But I think the Villa team we're seeing at the moment is a very different Villa team to the one that started the season. Um, I mean, just thinking about, you know, we brought in Samata up front because Wesley's out for the rest of the season. And he looks like a decent talent up front. We got him from Genk. Um but he just needs to start converting those chances into goals. He doesn't seem to have that killer instinct yet. Uh, Tyro Mings at the back has had you know, lots of good press around him. He's, a, he's an awesome bloke and a great footballer and he's got a brilliant story. But as a Villa fan, we love him. But at the same time, he can be a little bit shaky. Um, I think there's a, lot of, there's a lot of maybes for Villa this weekend. You know, John McGinn, it's actually gone quite quiet. He is due back pretty soon. Whether they'll throw him into a cup final, I don't know. But, you know, it's, will, will he start Conor Horahan? That's another one. He's a he's a great player. He's unpredictable. Likes to take a dig from outside of the box. He's the kind of player that could cause Man City problems. But I think, you know, the last time we saw Man City was in the league. Uh, they beat a 6-1 um, at Villa Park as well, which was a, an absolute drubbing. Aguero got three goals in that game. He was rested against um, Real Madrid uh, this week. So, you know, he's probably going to come on and he's probably going to start and have a decent game. David Silva didn't play against Madrid either. Um, you know, I, I just, I don't want to be pessimistic because obviously, you know, I'm going back to Birmingham for the game. I live in Liverpool, but heading back and, you know, I, I really 
we want it to be a brilliant game. We want Villa to come out fighting. And they do love a game at Wembley, the Villa. Um, well, know, I don't the, I know uh, that. Oh, well, is that, you're talking about the FA Cup? Yes, I am, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I was there that day and that was a, it was an unexpected result. But then we went on to the final and we got beaten, I think it was 4-0 by Arsenal. Yep. So I just, I don't want to... I think it's great to see your team in a in a cup run, and especially when they end up in the final. I just, I think a lot needs to go our way for it to be a result on on Sunday. And I, I don't want to be pessimistic about it, but Sterling got some minutes the other day. Aguero got a rest. David Silva didn't feature. Uh, I just, I think Man City, like you're saying, are they going to take the after ball with it? I don't think so because they aren't going to win the league. Um, they've obviously got um, you know, the bad news about the Champions League for them. Um, they're going to need to win these kind of competitions to save face a bit, I think, for this season. So I think they're going to go out and, and really go for us and want to win the game. And it, it, I think Villa have got a, a big mountain to climb on Sunday if they're going to come out with a win. You mentioned uh, John McGinn and uh, Pepperina there. And I mean, the, 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 I've been reading up on John McGinn because I, I, I rate him as a footballer. I thought I'm really impressive against those. And, he stood out as kind of like a, yeah. a, a industrial, almost like a dead cowish. If you were a Liverpool fan, kind of effect. He just kind of mm. it sets the standard for everyone else. And you you wonder whether, yeah. Um, I mean, I know how important the Premier League is, but with it being a cup final, maybe they'd risk him where otherwise they might give him another week. And then also the goalkeeper situation. And I know he he's he's played the other lad in goal for, throughout the League Cup run, but yeah. You know, big game and you talk about big personalities and leaders. And the one thing you could say about Pepe Reina, he, he does have that character and personality that he can impress on, yeah. on the rest. Of, and he's got, and also he's got that experience of playing in big finals. He does, but at the same time, he's not the same player he was for Liverpool. And he's been letting in a lot of goals recently in the league. We lost two 0 to Southampton last weekend. Um, it was unlucky, I think, but the you know the loss against Tottenham, they got three past us. Bournemouth scored two past us. The week before that, um, I don't know, Brighton we drew with. Then what's the other game? It was um, Watford, wasn't it, where we, we beat Watford 2-1. But I don't know. I just, I really like him as a player. With with the John McGinn thing, you're right. He is that kind of player who comes on and drives the rest of the team forward. He's just a workhorse. And I think Jack Grealish in particular has missed John McGinn. They're obviously great mates off the pitch. But on the pitch, they just work so well together. They've got that kind of just instinctive relationship. So McGinn, where they know do, so what, what the other one's going to do. So say McGinn frees them up a little bit to to be a bit, a little bit more creative. Oh, is what you're saying? Massively, and in fact, as soon as McGinn went out injured, that's when you started to see Grealish sitting back a lot more. Um, he was, you know, he, I, I like seeing players run all over the pitch and you know especially when it's your captain putting an absolute shift in but you want Jack Grealish up as up the pitch as far as you can as, as often as you can and McGinn gave him that confidence and that freedom to do it um I personally don't think we'll see him back I mean he's been pictured back in training and everything else but I think with the relegation fight we've got in the league as well risking a if he comes on and gets injured and he's out for the whole rest of the season, I think actually our Premier League season very much depends whether we stay up or not on John McGinn and, and how quickly he gets back to full fitness. I think we absolutely need him to stay in the league. Um, having said that, you know, midfielders, we've got so many midfielders at the moment, but the one player who hasn't really featured in, in the League Cup, I mentioned him earlier, is, is Conor Horahan. He's, I really want to see him start 
at the weekend. And I'm not quite sure why he hasn't been having that starting place. He's brilliant on set pieces. He has that thing with Grealish a bit more, actually, uh, where he kind of gives Grealish that confidence to go at the pitch. Um, He's physically quite good as well, though, isn't he? Oh, he is, yeah. And he, he he likes a physical game. And I think with a cup final, especially the League Cup final, it is going to be that kind of game. It's going to be pushy. It's going to be bolshy. Um, the atmosphere is obviously going to be fantastic. Uh, the Villa allocation sold out within minutes. Um, you know, it's it's. He, I really hope we see him start. I just don't. I'm not sure if he will or not. I think, obviously, you know, trust in Dean Smith and everything else. But he has been making some decisions that a lot of Villa fans have been questioning recently. So I don't know. I think um, if if we come out of, to be perfectly honest, if we don't win I definitely won't be surprised but if we come out of this and we've only lost by one or two goals I'll be quite happy on Sunday because at the moment there's so much that needs to happen at Villa it is it's it's horrible being in this position where there's so much potential there and with the players that we've got you know the the Tyro Mingses uh, Samata um, Jack Grealish it sounds like he's probably going to go in the summer but we've got the starts of a really good team there we just need to pull it together a bit. I mean, I was looking at the last time we won the League Cup final, and that was back in 1996. And, Milosevic, and we beat wasn't Leeds it? 3-0. Yeah, Savo Milosevic, um, he scored. We scored him Savo Milosevic. So it's nice to see his name on the team sheet in the, in the Cup final. Ian Taylor and Dwight York when we beat Leeds 3-0. But I was also looking at that squad, and it's when I started to really get into football. We had Mark Bosnich in goal. Uh, Gareth Southgate was at the back. Paul McGrath, Lee Hendry, uh, Andy Townsend, Hugo Ekiog. Uh, you know, these were brilliant legendary players for us and I just don't think you look at the team we've got now and a lot of them are nowhere near the same league as the last time we won the league cup final so I don't know I'm I don't I wish I was I wish I was on here now saying yeah we've got every confidence it's going to be a great game we're going to turn up we're going to fight for it but just something just hasn't seemed to be right with Villa since the start of the year um since we actually, it was against Burnley when both in the same game, Wesley and Heaton were taken out. Uh, and to have that news pretty much straight after the final as well, that they were going to be out for the whole rest of the season. It felt like there was a mind, uh, mindset shift, a change then, especially with all this stuff around Jack Grealish potentially going to United in the summer as well. I don't know. It, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of positivity around, around Villa at the moment. And, you know, it, it's devastating to say that because we came into the Premier League with so much confidence, having had such a good back end to last season in the Championship. So, I don't know. I mean, what are your predictions for it? I don't know. I wouldn't like to say. I mean, any any defeat against Manchester, any win against Manchester City, regardless, is always a good win for us. I mean, I'm, we'll finish yeah. off in, in, in a second. Just one thing, well, two things really want to ask. Number one is yeah. what, what the... What the villain need to do at the weekend to to make the most of the occasion and 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 try and get a result and also and I know he's a, he's very very popular at Villa but given the amount of money that was spent over the summer and you alluded yeah. to yourself his decisions is Dean Smith under a little bit of pressure if if well let's presume the worst if if you don't get a result at the weekend and Villa's season doesn't doesn't improve with. Would it, even if you managed to survive, would you imagine Dean Smith would be under pressure a little bit? So, in terms of the weekend, what do we need to do? We just need to try and limit our mistakes as much as possible, I think. Um, Man City, their set pieces, I mean, uh, they've had obviously penalty problems. Um, 
recently, but with Kevin De Bruyne stepping up this week and start, you know, looking like he's going to take him. I think it's, I think it's going to be a scrappy game. And I think especially with players like Tyrone Mings, we could get drawn into making stupid challenges and pay off those set pieces. So I think um, try and get the ball to Grealish as much as you can. Try and not make many mistakes. In terms of Dean Smith, we do love him. And, you know, the story of Dean Smith is great. He's a Villa fan. His dad was a steward. His first job was going and cleaning off all the seats at the Villa after the games. You know, he's got Villa running through his veins. And and he, the other thing that we, we really like about him, we've had managers before, we've played terribly, and he come off and in the, in the press conferences, they'll be going, oh, well, you know, lots to be positive about. Dean Smith doesn't do that. He does tell it like it is. And he is a kind of, he has quite a good way of um, trying to inspire some optimism whilst not, you know, just letting everything go. There's no bullshit the with same him, basically. Time. No, no, yeah, exactly, exactly. I think he isn't. It's a shame to see him here, really. I think, you know, there are things that have gone against him. Um, the injuries that we've had unexpectedly, he's had to obviously change the way that he's uh, putting his team out and relying on players he didn't have to rely on before. Um, at the same time, as a Premier League manager, you've got a plan for everything, haven't you? And that's what we've seen with, with teams like Liverpool. You know, I think when Klopp first came to Liverpool, everyone was focusing on the first team and the first team results. Actually, what we've seen this year is that he's been working all the way through that club to make sure that the youngsters are developing well. The fact that we've seen your youngsters play so much in different competitions is is testament to Klopp as a manager. And I think Dean Smith has probably relied too much on players like Grealish and John McGinn. Then when players like McGinn go out and he hasn't got them anymore, I just I don't know how much thought has gone into the rest of it. And I I, I think we're not expecting to win this weekend. Um so I don't think this weekend is decisive for Dean Smith. But we are at the bottom end of the table. I think if we end up in a, a relegation scrap, uh, I mean, we are in it, but I mean, kind of back end, last three, four, five games, if it comes down to the very end of the season, then I think, yeah, he probably is in trouble. Um, we've got a bit of money at the Villa now. Obviously, we spent it on um, some signings last summer, a little bit of business in January as well. But I think we're a big old club. We've got a bit of cash there now, and I think we could probably attract some big managers too. Villa, um, if we stayed up. I'd, it's a difficult one, I think. Um, I Personally, I like him, uh, but we shouldn't be where we are. We, sh- we should be fighting a bit harder than we are at the moment in the Premier League. Brilliant. All right, Ben. Well, listen, thanks very much for coming on. Thanks for your time. And despite your pessimism, I wish you the very, very best at the weekend in the League Cup final and hopefully give you something to celebrate in Springboard to, for the rest of the season. Thanks again for coming on, Ben. No worries, mate. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I hope I'm wrong too. A big thank you to Ben there. Now, he is pessimistic, as it's probably to be expected, but I'm not. I want someone in the room right now to make a case for Aston Villa taking this trophy home. The Jack Grealish trophy. <laughs> I don't know. I just... I, it's not going to happen, is it? Um, I think the best you can hope for, really, and even then, actually, I can't see it happening, is that it's a draw to half-time. Like yeah. that it's equal at our time yes. or nil nil uh, or or one one. I think that's I think that will be the best thing for them. I think if City go in up by half time, even if it's just by one, I think the psychological effect creeps in of you know how good City are, you know what they can do, you know who they've got on the bench. Um if they've thrown forty five minutes of ultimate effort out and then they've got to go and replicate that and they'll probably get tired, City will then exploit that because they've got a better players and better squad. 
I, I think that's what they need to do. So I think it wouldn't surprise me, actually, even though it's a, a cup final and, and, and Villa don't have anything else to play for, bar obviously getting out the relegation zone um, and, and staying up. It wouldn't surprise me, actually, if they they sit back for the first half and just mm. try and soak up um, the defence. I don't think they'll go hell for leather against them. Well, you mentioned that City have played midweek and that means that there's going to be some games in their legs obviously anyone who saw the game will know that Laporte came off injured as well Paul so oh, yeah. there's a chance that they might have a Stones and Otamendi centre back partnership to go at come on you see where I'm going yeah. here I was I mean the, the, the arguments would be that I say Laporte's out and City are a different team with without Laporte and even though they try and play exactly the same way <laughs> as they do when yeah. they've got Laporte with Fernandinho playing there which is just bananas Um whether Villa have got forwards who, who who can get in behind, I'm not I'm not so sure based on what I know of them. Um, and then the only other thing is sometimes coming coming from a massive Champions League night, mm-hmm. um, which City aren't massively used to. Um, it, you know, it's a cup final, but it's it's not a Champions League night, is it? And you, you know, to raise yourself again after such a, a big result because it was a great result that mm-hmm. City got and 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 deserved as well from from the, the bits I saw. Um, I would say, you know, they're the they're the bits of hope, but I can I can see City. I would be more likely to see City steamroll hmm. Villa in this game, if I'm honest. But but you know, Laporte is not playing. That that's massive. I feel sorry City. for Grealish. It's, it's all, literally all on Grealish. Uh, John McGinn was fit. You could start to have a bit of an argument as two players. You know, Wesley hasn't looked great this season, but he's a he's a striker who's played for Bruges. Mm-hmm. You know, in European competitions as well. If they were all fit, I could maybe have an argument of you know going down the line of, of what Lizzie was saying nil nil at half time. You never know, just score set pieces and stuff like that. You know, it, it, Villa's case is, is Grealish alone at the moment, sadly, and he, you know he, he's a fantastic player, but he's probably not going to score three goals, and you probably need to score three goals to beat Man City or two. <laughs> I think that's a fair. It's just a real shame, isn't it? Because Laporte's out. And they could have been playing in the league this weekend. That would have been nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. What game's been changed? What what what, what was City uh, Arsenal? Arsenal, yeah. yeah, would have been interesting. That's I'm more interested in that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, from from starting, trying to stay with this villainous for just one little bit longer. Um, they haven't been in great form right now, Lizzie. It has looks like that Premier League survival is probably going to be their bigger priority of the two. But we've seen in the past sometimes when you're struggling down at the bottom, a cup run can be the thing that turns you around. We've seen in history, uh, we mentioned obviously City losing the cup final to Wigan in 2013. I think of Arsenal losing the League Cup final to Birmingham the year before. So strange things have happened in these finals before. Listen, they've got to the final. Do you know what I mean? And they'll be going. They will be going all out to win. And I think they need something to to cheer themselves up with. But I reckon, I honestly reckon, weirdly, you know the way we were all saying, "Oh, I want to go out against Villain in the League Cup because we've got our league run." Well, do you know what? I bet you they would have been a bit okay going out to Liverpool because they knew they've got a relegation battle to yeah. fight. And like I said before, they haven't, they haven't got like a massive squad after. And I think yeah. if you, I imagine if you ask any Villa fan, what would you prefer? To win the League Cup final or stay in the league. I think it's stay in the league because they've been out of the league, what, about two seasons, is it? Yeah. Um, but they're, they're the oldest club in England. They're a massive club, no matter what you say about them. They can't go down again. Um, they, they haven't half got a fight on their hands just seeing that they've lost the last three. I mean, they give it a good go against Spurs. Um, but in this game, I just think 
oh, I don't know, it's like it's too big of an occasion, but but maybe that will do good. But I can't honestly. <laughs> I, I'm trying to like I'm trying to conjure it up, but for me, I just think Man City will just have far too much. I think they'll have a spell, as every team does have a spell. Mm-hmm. I reckon they'll score, by the way, and I, I don't know when. I do reckon they'll score. Um, and it'll give them a bit of lease of life, but I just feel like City are just going to, I think they're just going to kill the hopes, to be honest. I think that's probably a fair assumption. I think as much as I've tried to whip up a bit of Villa support, it is ultimately futile. One thing I would say, a lot of their relegation rivals do seem to be playing some of the bigger teams. If you look at mm, Watford yeah. playing against us, Norwich playing Leicester, Chelsea against Bournemouth. So maybe it's actually going to do them a favour being in the league. But I don't know, guys, maybe I'm looking at this the entirely wrong way. Um, City have won the League Cup the last two seasons and gone out in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Maybe that's what we should I'll be voting for. I'll take them winning the League Cup there, you know. Maybe that's what we should be voting for, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, okay. Now I'm all right with City winning now. Okay, good. We can move on to Everton now. Uh, Greg O'Keefe of The Athletic is here to tell us all about their matchup with Manchester United on Sunday. And now we have got Greg O'Keefe, who works with the Athletic, on to talk about Everton. And I mean, we're looking ahead to the to the big game on on Sunday, Greg. But I just want to talk to get your thoughts on last week first of all, because I watched the game against Arsenal. I thought it was generally a belter. I thought Everton did well, and I thought how they were throwing everything forward and, and trying everything they could for the equaliser was was a positive as well. But then I saw a bit of a bit of criticism from from a few Evertonians online. So I was just wondering, you know, how what you thought of the performance and whether you think that criticism is is almost a mark of of how much they've pro- progressed under the new manager. Yeah, um I think it is really because there was a genuine feeling that uh, Everton were capable of going there and getting the three points. And I think the criticism is probably set in context of it, it was that close to doing it, especially when you, you know, you're leading in the game and, and then to, to come behind, not not only to like uh, not take anything, you know, sorry, not only to not draw, but to not take anything in the game, just compounds the frustration of that horrendous record down there, like 1996. Yeah. It was the last time they won. And it's just, you know, as all with all these records with Everton, it, it's a bit mind boggling when you think the change in between that they haven't just managed to slip in a random victory down there. Yeah. But it's also accumulatively. Depression's overstating it, but like it's a bit miserable, really, when you think like so many times that they've gone close for different reasons, but they still haven't won, and it gets a bit beyond frustrating. So I think when you you're right to say that it was a really positive performance, and they were on the front foot, and, and in times they outplayed Arsenal in the second half, they controlled the game. But there's always going to be that that baseline of and, and yet they lost, yet but and they lost, and it's because. Frustrating when we saw kind of the best of, of what Ancelotti's bred into that side. You know the sort of the attacking verve, getting Dominic Calvert-Lewin playing like a, you know maybe even an imminent England international. Yeah. But then defensively, um, I can only agree with what Ancelotti said. They were they were poor. You know they were they weren't compact enough. That at times Arsenal had far too much space, uh, and then certain players maybe hinted that they're going to have to be looked at. I'm talking about Sadibi um, at right back. You know, maybe even the hesitate to say that you know he needs to be bombed out because I don't think he does. But we've seen a lot from Yerimina this season where you've gone, now he's got a, a real future in this team. But then he also has has his moments, and uh, I don't think he covered himself in glory on on Sunday. So there were definitely positive parts, but overall, I, I understand that frustration because you, know, you just think like, when are they going to go down there? And, and it's Chelsea as well, which obviously is on the horizon, and Tottenham. 
I just frankly ridiculous to have one down there for so long. <laughs> <laughs> it is though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, okay, yeah, yeah, definitely. But it's, it, I mean, it's 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 back at Goodison Park this weekend, and it's a, it's a home yeah. game against Manchester United. Uh, you you think the crowd would be up for? You know, you've. Yeah. I know there's been a lot of work done on on the atmosphere recently, and there's groups kind of kind of trying to do more of that and trying to sort of turn Goodison Park into into a little bit of a, a fortress again. And Manchester United have, have got the, their own issues, and but it's another good test of where Everton are at this one, isn't it? Because you know we say what you want about Manchester United, but they are in fifth place at the moment, and and they are there. And if Everton are looking at European places, you know they might feel like they're there to be shot at a little bit. Yeah, no, without a doubt, that's a good point. The thing is. Um, this run of games was always going to be crucial to whether Everton have, have actually got the credentials to get into the Europa League. Uh, you know, people, as as is the nature of you know, people get a bit giddy when the, the, before the Arsenal game and they, they're even talking about the Champions League. Um, but I don't think Everton have, have had the consistency or form this season to suggest that they're good enough to finish uh, for certainly not fourth or fifth. Depends on the permutations. What happened with City? I just don't think that's realistic. But Europa League kind of is because the way the table's been. But I think you'll have a definitive take on that after this run of games. So Arsenal, they got beat. They played well, but they got beat. United, they need to take something from the game and I'd suggest they need to win it. Chelsea next weekend, they need to take something from it. And then you've got the derby and then after that run of games, you'll go, well, all right, either European football is on the horizon or not. Um, And you're right to to say they should really be aiming to beat United at Goodison Park with the atmosphere and the way they've been playing, especially at home under Ancelotti. Kind of typically United are on a little bit of a resurgence, aren't they? You know, they did some good recruitment in January and, you know, it finally seem to have, such guys seem to have found a, a tackle formula that's working. So, that defence will be tested again, but, um, no, we'll see. Gomez, maybe we'll start. Uh, Andre Gomez. And yeah, he was impressive, wasn't he? Yeah, really impressive. Yeah, and, um, so I think he's going to make a big difference. Uh, and, and in turn, you look at what Schneidel and, and Sigurdsson were unable to offer uh, at the Emirates. He, he got, I think Gomez is going to bring so much more. Um, so, I, yeah, I, for me, it's almost like they've got, I expect them to to go for the win. And I think that's kind of what they need from this run because then Chelsea, there's no guarantees. Um, I thought Chelsea were all right the other night. Despite the result, really, I thought there was times when they looked half decent, but just got undone by a very, very good buy-in side. Uh, but still, think you look at Mason Mount and you know some of the attacking players they've got. I think they're going to give us a difficult game at Stamford Bridge, as always. And then, you know, I don't even talk about the derby yet. <laughs> <laughs> I won't ask you to. You do. Don't worry. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you mentioned uh, Sigurdsson there, and he's someone who might be in a little bit of trouble in terms of his starting place with the return of Andre Gomez. I know you've written something yeah. in for the Athletic in the last week or so about him yeah. feeling like he's at a bit of a crossroads at the moment at his Everton career because obviously he's not getting any younger. Um, and but he's you know he's, he is a good footballer. There is a good footballer here, but he just seems to frustrate Everton fans with with you know how much they, they're getting out of him. Certainly this season. Yeah, definitely. Um, I kind of I tried to make this. So I wrote the piece earlier in the week on the site about Sigurdsson, as you just said, you know, being at a crossroads, potentially really being closer towards the end of his Everton career and being moved on or, or moving on in the summer, if you like. And um, but I tried to emphasise that it's 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 not like a binary thing. He's he's neither 
he's neither as obviously isn't the player that we hope we signed from Swansea, but neither is he crap. He's he's patently not a crap footballer. He's yeah. got a lot of ability. Because and and then that point was lost. A lot of people were just saying no, 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 he's shite. No, you know, it's not good enough. You know, he's finished. It's, he, he isn't, but he doesn't. He's never hit the levels. I don't think consistently that we'd hoped for. Although last season, thirteen goals, six assists, not a bad season at all for you know attacking midfielder or the ten that he was playing. The problem is, you know, Ancelotti's playing four four two. It looks like he's going to be playing next season as well. And it's just very difficult to find an argument for how Sigurdsson fits into that. Um, especially if you, you know, like we said, Andre Gomez is back. Uh, it looks like Ancelotti is going to want to add, if not his own central midfielder, uh, Marcel Brands hinted at the general meeting. Mm-hmm. He's looking at the right of midfield as well. So if Sigurdsson wants to play week in, week out, there's question marks. Uh, I don't know that he would actually want to just sit out the next two years on his albeit very lucrative contract this is a, a guy who played every Premier League or he appeared in every Premier League game for Everton last season 38 games is quite an achievement really so I don't think he's there happy to just sit up and collect his wages in the way that like Umar the ass has been or someone of that ilk he's, he's probably got something to offer it's just I'm not sure it'll be under Ancelotti however if Ancelotti could somehow get the Sigurdsson that Everton either tore it up and kept Swans in the Premier League or that showed in flashes last season uh, it'd be one of his, his biggest achievements so far I think to get that player I'm maybe not sure that player uh, is going to is going to is going to reappear in an Everton shirt anymore though um, but yeah I mean it's on, on the plus side though, I haven't said all that when he is in the team set pieces are very good it's just his body language and, and, and you know sometimes he gets associated with say the derby you know the FA Cup game and um, he got a lot of stick after that game because I think of the way he looks sometimes. You know, he doesn't, he's not dynamic, he's not sprinting, pressing all the time. He gets about the pitch, but he hasn't got that sort of turn of pace or he doesn't like throw in tackles. So in games like that, I think he's an easy scapegoat because of his, the money that's paid for him. Um, but I mean, people do forget, like it was nil nil when he went off at Anfield. So I'm not saying that he did, he was massively helpful either way because obviously Everton lost the game. But, um, there is an element of scapegoatism. Okay. Um, and just before we let you go, Greg, um, we should mark the anniversary um, of, of Mashiri. It's, it's four years ago today that he yeah. that he that yeah. he came in. I know you've written something with along with uh, our friend Paddy Boyland for the Athletic sort yeah. of on that, and it's it's on the sort of enigma that he is really because every time I. I I sort of think, oh, I don't think I'm not sure how bothered this fellow is. He, he, he surprises you with his ambition, and no more yeah. than than obviously the Ancelotti thing. And it would have been so easy just to do what West Ham did and literally get David Moyes. Um, David Moyes is, a, yeah. is both a metaphor and the actual thing in this case. But um, <laughs> but but um, he doesn't. He goes out there. He 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 goes and gets a manager who. I think a few of us, certainly on the red side of the city, were, were laughing at the suggestion that, that, that he would have gone. But he, he he goes, he's ambitious, and he, and he persuades the man to come. And it's just this, you know, it's, it's, it's a strange one, isn't it? That it's almost hard to evaluate both him and, you know, uh, how he sees kind of, you know, Everton moving forward. It is, it is. Um, so, yeah, as you say, me and Paddy said about trying to find more about like Mishiri the man in the first instance that's what our, our aim was to find out more about what makes him tick you know the man away from the sort of football um, owner and it was interesting how difficult that was you know like he's 
clearly values his privacy extremely highly. And you could say, well, don't buy a Premier League club, though. But he's been quite effective at, at keeping a lid on on anything, really. Uh, maybe that's a bit of a billionaire privilege. Um, he's, he's he's done very well at that. So it was a challenge. But I think we 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 able to speak to people who spent a lot of time in his company, and he is quite a, a quirky guy. You know, he's been very very successful. Um, hugely successful, but at the same time, he's, he's eccentric. Um, get, sometimes gets up, walks out in the middle of meetings. He's got a really short attention span. He can be guilty of having his head turned by agents. And I think if you look at these four years so far and the money that he's spent, uh, and in, in a lot of cases wasted, to be blunt, it's probably because he's been on a very steep learning curve as, as the owner of a football club. But I think one thing that... He, he's shown is that he is learning he's more and more deferring to Marcel Brands as a decision maker as a football man it's not to say it still is train set ultimately and I think as someone said to me for this piece um, these a lot of these owners are just pl- they're playing football manager but in real time with the, with yeah. the club uh, and that's his that's his toy and he is doing that but I think he's learning to sit back a bit um, someone was speaking to Paddy and making the point that you know, early days he would be trying to like throw names into the mix and listen to agents, and it would it would like compound the time it took Everton to do certain business. And I think that's hopefully being more and more streamlined. I'm I'm not sure Ancelotti will will put up with that. Not not they'll put his foot down, but I think he'll have a acute sort of savvy way of, of dealing with that. You know, he's worked under De Laurentiis at Napoli and you know at Real Madrid, where you know they're not short of eccentric, uh, quite volatile owners. So I think we'll see less of that from Mashiri and hopefully a more efficient way of spending his, his money. Uh, and it'll only be a good thing for Everton. Okay, uh, huge thanks to Greg for joining us. Uh, if you do want to subscribe to the Anfield app, obviously, you know, we're partnering with them in the moment. So if you go to theathletic.co.uk forward slash the Anfield app, you can get 50% off if you want to read Greg's pieces and obviously all the excellent Liverpool stuff that is on there as well. But just before we go, Greg, uh, just give you... Well, kind of uh, try and get a score prediction from you uh, for Sunday, if you don't mind. Prediction for Sunday, yeah. Um, okay, well, I was overly positive last weekend because I thought Everton <laughs> would get the win, but uh, I, I will remain so. I, I think I think Everton will uh, get a win. I think they'll win. Uh, I think they'll, I think they'll concede, uh, but they'll win it two one. Two one Everton. Okay, thanks a lot to Greg for joining us, and now back to the boys in the studio. Big thanks to Greg there. And uh, now we were all talking before off air, the saying that this is almost a must-win game for Everton. If you think about the run that they've got ahead of them, a lot of tough fixtures going on. They have got a great home record, but Paul, they're still trying to get into those European places, aren't they? And this is the kind of team who and who are in those European places. And if they're successful then they're going to have to play these calibre of teams in European competition anyway. So they should be going into this game confident and full of belief. Yeah, definitely. I mean, from an Everton point of view, you'd be looking at it thinking, actually, if we can get a result here, we're, we're two points off fifth place, which potentially is Champions League place. I've been laughing at Evertonians when they've been talking about Europe and stuff like that. But actually, hey. you know, it's, it's, it's not a million miles away for them. So, you know... I, I can see them going for this, and I, I, we just said off here like Ancelotti, the record under Ancelotti, they, they, they've done well so far. I mean, there's still you can still see there's a lot of problems there defensively. They've still been very st- strange, I suppose mm-hmm. the best way I can put it. Pickford is Pickford. He's still Pickford. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he's, I think he's getting Full worse start. to be honest. I mean, <laughs> yeah, some of the stuff that's gone on with oh, last week just bananas. But um, 
But there's loads of positives going on. Calvert Lewin got goals that you know, um, and and they look like a team, don't they? They never look like a team at any point under Silva. So I, 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 you know, from an Everton point of view, this is this is one that like you'd be you'd be you get to go and try and do something. And, and United have got no sort of there's no consistency within what United are doing. You know, so so why not? Why not? It's it's there for them if they want it. Uh, United are also playing, we're, we're recording this before they've played in Europa League, so they'll have at least another game in their legs. Yeah. Now, Everton did lose away at Arsenal in the weekend, Lizzie, but there were a lot of positives to be taken from that game, not least the return of Andre Gomez. Now, I'm sure that you've heard as many Evertonians as I have complaining about Gilfie Sigurdsson, oh, yeah. and yeah. Ha- in that game in particular, he didn't play great. But Gomez, in his mini cameo, showed exactly what Sigerson should have been doing. And you think with him in the side from the start, they're going to look a lot better out of it. Yeah, he's decent. I think their midfield's awful. And I think with with Sigurdsson, it just doesn't look right, does it? It just does not look right at all with him. And I I wonder how much of it is to do with him specifically or the fact that he just doesn't fit the team. I don't know if he's a player that you'd have to build a little bit around. I think that he's not a runner, is he? Do you know what I mean? He sits and he sprays and... I don't know if that is Everton um, at the moment. I think with the likes of Calvert-Lewin and that and Richarlison, they he's sort of playing them as a bit of a two, isn't yeah. he? Which is um, which was a bit was a, a bit new for them. So I think they they look good. I think I think in form probably look better than United. I, it's like you say. I, I watched that Arsenal game or I watched our um, I watched first I watched the first half of it and. Um, I, I, even I, as a as a neutral, if you want to call it that, a neutral slash person who really dislikes Everton, um, <laughs> didn't take away too many negatives. I actually thought they'd done all right, mm-hmm. and I think it was a bit of hard luck. It was hard lines, um, and the forms being decent, and I think they've got a real chance here against United. I think United have strung together a couple of good results as well themselves, but I think they can look at them and go, "We're a match for you." And mm-hmm. on our day, we're probably better. And if they start Gomez, I think he'll make the world a difference because I think. Everton are in this mad place where they've got no in-between. I think they've got players who you could say would play in a top six um, side, which is, like you say, at, at the minute on form is your Richarlison, your Calvert-Lewin, uh, probably Andre Gomez when he's fit. But then you've got players who probably wouldn't even make it in the bottom side, like Morgan Schneider and Gilfie Sigurdsson on the, the way he's playing. You know, they're still playing like what Coleman plays at right back sometimes, doesn't he? Um, I don't personally rate Sadibe that much either. But he, oh, there you go. Yeah. I was being polite. <laughs> I was being polite, but Mike goes in, uh, and I also don't rate. Uh, I don't think Yanni Mina is is all that good either. He's awful. Um, so that's the thing with Everton; they've got no middle ground. Mm. But I think because they're firing quite well up top, I think they might just well sneak an advantage over United now I've seen a few Everton United games down the years that have absolutely bored me to tears Mike but Lizzie's just reminding me there these are two teams that maybe are looking better from the attacking perspective than maybe from a defensive so it could be a goal fest we don't know United have got Bruno Fernandes who seems to have come in seems to have given everyone a little bit of impetus what have you made of his first couple of games you know what I was sort of expecting him to be worse than what he was. I don't know why. I, I just felt like there was, there was a lot of people who was in, seemed to be interested in him and but were put off. And I thought there would have been a reason why, but he's he's actually not as bad as I thought he was going to be. He sort of give them a, a bit of a lift. And you can pick holes in Man United's form a little bit. The Chelsea game, they, they get really lucky with a few decisions. They win 2-0. The, the history books will say 2-0. But everyone who was there and watching it at the time were thinking, oh, oh 
how how have Chelsea lost this game to, to Man United? Chelsea aren't great either, by the way. They're probably the most one of the most beatable teams in this league at the moment, Chelsea. And you know, Man United went and done it, but had a huge slice of luck. I I, th- I think United will cause Everton real problems. I think. Lizzie mentioned Sadibi and I said he was crap. My my feelings can't be any more clearer. But I I've only seen him like what four or five times. I've got a couple of mates who are big blues and that, and they they, they absolutely can't stand him because they just think he's he's not he's not good enough. He's not at the level, and and it's a bit of a mad one because Coleman's had a really tough injury. He's quite old now, but he's still a club captain, isn't he, Coleman? Yeah, being there the longest. Apart from Baines, or him and Baines, it'd be close between them two as being there the longest. And Co- Coleman was in- inconsistent, and that's that's why Sadibi's playing. But you know, you haven't got a good enough player to play in in key areas where Man United will absolutely like target. You got Martial, who's fast, whether he'll play on the left or down the middle. Greenwood's coming on and, and looking better and better. Sadly, he, he's he scored again near the weekend, didn't he? So. I, I think it's going to be a decent game. I, I, I don't expect it to be a boring nil-nil, but now I've said it, it probably will be. <laughs> I think their defence is better than Everton's as well. Yeah. I think like mm-hmm. they've shown that recently. I think even though it's not it's not setting the world on fire, it's just it seems to be getting better with each game. Like I, I think if you, even on paper, if you read it out, it's not all that bad. I mean, obviously De Gea is still De Gea. I think Maguire say what he wants about how overrated he is. He's decent. Lindelof's playing all right. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously Wan Bissaka I think's doing well for them definitely defensively, and then. Luke Shaw has been all right too, so I think I think it it probably it sounds like it could be a boring one now. Mike's convinced me, <laughs> um, but like when when you look at it that way, um, it's like I and I'm with Bruno Fernandez now. Who I I think looks decent. I think he does look decent. Um, I'm starting to basically doubt what I've just said. <laughs> I, think, um, I think you've got like you look look at United and they look more balanced than they have done in a, a long time. Um, not not real quality, but 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 a balance which they, they, they've really struggled with. Um, I think if you look on paper, you go United potentially have got more match winners in in their side possibly. But then if you if you're looking at the bench and you you you're choosing who's going to be more likely to make decisions that are going to win your matches, I'd, I'd take Ancelotti all all day of the yeah. week over Solskjaer. So so I think it's going to be quite an, an interesting an interesting game. There's, yeah. there's there's a lot of conflict there between like sort of the different qualities of both teams. You know what I want to happen? I, I want Jesse Lingard to score the winner. So I haven't spent thirty million on. Did you see Dave Downey from the Blue Jeans tweet? Because basically, I think BBC Sport put an article saying, uh, "Oh, Man United looking to uh, to release." Jesse Jesse Lingard and Andreas Pereira, if I yeah. pronounce that correct. Yeah. Um, and Dave Downey was like, please don't, don't ask Everton. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> but that's because he knows they might. But I think what you see sometimes, particularly at the moment with Man United, is, is they've got a new player who's given them all a bit of impetus. And some of the more average, I think it's probably fair to say, players have kind of raised their confidence. And so they're, they're playing quite well at the moment. I think of them midfield, Matic and Fred, who've been much maligned previously, who have now got a little bit of form. McTominay, potentially back from injury. We'll have to wait and see if he plays Thursday night. But there's lots to going on. And for Manchester United, it's a real opportunity for them to capitalise on this top four race. Because if you think about it, Sheffield United aren't playing this weekend. One of Spurs and Wolves are going to drop points at least, maybe both. So you could look at it and say that they're going to be closer. Or... If they lose, 
against Bruges and get knocked out and then they lose against Everton, the gap between fourth and them is suddenly six points and it looks a very different scenario. Okay, I'm going to ask for some predictions for this game now, Everton against Man United. Lizzie, you're avoiding my game, so I'm going to ask you first. Uh, it's, it's weird because I've completely talked myself around about a million and different one things now. Uh, I'm going to go then. Uh, I don't know. Um, part of me saying 1-1, one, one, but I'm I'm just gonna stick I'm just gonna stick with me gut and say Everton one nil. Ooh, okay, Paul. I'm gonna go. I, I think Everton. I think the Pickford factor and some of the stuff Mike said about Everton defensively. I, I think United have got enough to enough in them positions to cause them damage. So I'm gonna go two one United. Ooh. Mike? It's massively much win for Everton because if they don't and they do lose it, then even the nine points off Man United then or, or more. So uh, the old lady will be rocking as well. Um, uh, uh, I don't know. I reckon. I reckon it's a draw, or, or I could see I, if I can see a team win. It's United by one or two. Mm, interesting. I'm still going to stick. I think you're right. I think the old lady will be shaking her wooden bolts. And I think that that's going to be enough to get Everton over the line. But if I was going to give anyone any betting tips, it would be on both teams to score. Thank you very much to Mike, to Paul and to Lizzie here in the room, to Rich, to Ben and to Greg over the phone. This has been The Friday Show. Enjoy your weekend. Sports Social Podcast Network.